Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. from the past. <laughs> you know, with the technology, I keep thinking that we really are back to the future concepts. Yeah. You know, we're doing it. This month in general is weird for me and Elvira. We have many things scheduled and many overlaps. Yes, so there there will be many shows pre-recorded in the next couple of months and a few reruns tucked in there just for fun as Elvira <laughs> and I gallivant off to the world to spread witchery. Truly, and sometimes in places they never even think of. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's the first of a series of pre, pre-records. pre Although today's pre-record is being brought to you by local high schools. Yes. Who we are spending the weekend doing readings for at different grad nights. Due to the fact that we have done this for three years, our fourth year running for one, right? You know, it it's really fun, and I I look forward to it. I also, as we were talking before the show, kind of with intrepidation because it's a late late yeah. night, and it's too old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, and you know how it goes. We like to be up late in our own little cubby holes, but not necessarily out and about. It's kind of a gaggle of 18-year-olds who could continue to be up the rest of the night into the next day and not have it phase them in the least bit. Truly. But 
So we will be, that's why we will be doing this for tomorrow's show. Yeah. And then by the end of next week, we will wind up being yet knee-deep in more things. Yes. So how is your week as we always start out? We, uh, it's it's weird. It's a weird week. I don't really know why it's weird. Everything's going great. It's uh-huh. the last week of school for my kid. Uh-huh. So I'm very excited about that. I got one more morning to wake up at 6.15 and oh. drag a cranky teenager out of bed. Yep. And then I don't have to wake up that early until August. Oh, boy. I am super stoked about that. Yes. Yes. It's been a rough week getting up early for some reason. I think my my go, 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 busy, busy, busy has finally caught up with me, and my body is revolting and refusing to get up. I understand. Yeah. So I am really glad that tomorrow is the last day, and I will have, well, the last day for a couple months. Mm -hmm. I'll have some time to get a little bit more of a schedule that my body prefers. Well, yes. Yeah. How are you doing? Well, it's been um, busy and grateful for the the client load and the idea that we have so much going on has overwhelmed me and we're just, you know, kind of keeping my head above water. But I noticed that we were talking briefly about the fact that it was a, we had a cranky kind of like not feeling really good, but not really feeling really bad point of reference. Right. And at this point, I was trying to figure out if it was just me because I'm looking at all this long weekend and I'm kind of going, meow. But I think it's, there's something more because more people are making comments about it in from different locations. So going around. It does. Uh, sort of like a flu. Maybe it's the energy flu, and maybe it has to do with the fact that, you know, kids are getting out of school. Things are happening, yeah, changing. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Maybe some of this weird, because I definitely have been feeling the weird. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some of it is because this is a huge transition time for <laughs> our world. Not for the world, but for, for our our communities. Mm-hmm. You know, most kids are leaving school right. around this time, the end of the school year. Right. So it's not the end of the year, but you know that feeling at Christmas and New Year's. Yes. Right. Yes. There's like a thing, a feeling, and right. it's kind of like that. But because, like, I'm not in school, my world is going to shift. Right. You know, I don't have to get up so early. Right. But I wonder if collectively we feel that. Possibly. And that's why, because I do notice I always feel weird at this time of the year. Yeah. Well, it is. It's definitely a shifting time, and uh, you know, we we are. It's not even pagan time. It's more like just us as humans out in the world, and I think that that has to do with it. Um, we're also feeling the energies of the children changing locations and moving to um, you know summer. They're just as excited as the parents. Yeah, you know, of absolutely. course, the, you know they're not going to have to get up. But then, of course, it's well, we still have to go to work as parents. Where do our children go, depending right. on their age? Right. Know? I definitely know that there. For every parent that feels like I do, they're that excited that the school year is over. There are a dozen or more parents who are bummed <laughs> that the school year is yeah, over. Yeah, it's, it's a complete thing. So yeah, I think that that's that's a part of it. I know that we've got some major astrological things yeah. that are starting to shift and move, and so with you know things like. Jupiter going direct 
in a few days, but then Neptune and Uranus go in retrograde. It may also be that, you know, some of that watery kind of explosive energy kind of comes up and we're all kind of like going, eh, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, which actually kind of leads into our goddess of yeah. the uh, topic we have. The goddess which is goddess or goddesses, depends on, you know, plural or not. But And we're going to all say this differently, yeah. so we apologize for any possible mispronunciation. Yeah. Um, but the Mordegon, the Mordegu, um, Morgan, Morgan, uh, Morrigan, I yeah. should pronounce that way too. I spent um, a significant <laughs> amount of time going onto the interwebs and listening to different pronunciations of different Irish words. So uh, I will still butcher them, and I apologize in advance. But I tried. I tried. I them out phonetically. But who knows if what I found was accurate. I'm really sorry. Yes. So, but with that, this is this is a, um, a warrior goddess. Yes. Of the, now, it is of the Irish peoples, yes. and um, one of the things that I found fascinating is and I know that all peoples of ancient times were this way but it just in reading about her and getting all of these different aspects because they basically have three aspects and we'll talk about that in a minute or one depending Mm -hmm. but it was all about the intensity of the people that she is the goddess and the representation of war. It was fascinating. I, It wasn't horrifying. It was just, I'm going, wow, it is so much more in contact with the concept mm. of war. Yeah. And we're sure, certainly going to pick on that one as a subject to discuss as we go through this process. The other thing I feel is important to keep in mind, anytime we talk about a goddess from Great Britain, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, that whole region, is the concept of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Sovereignty and that the, the, the land is important. The land is alive. The connection to the land is an important part of existing in that mm-hmm. culture and, mm-hmm. those, and those cultures. Right. right. And this was, well, let me finish that thought before I skip into the next thought. But... <laughs> Uh, most many of the big goddesses uh, who have survived the Christian shifts, mm-hmm. like the Morgan, mm-hmm. were goddesses of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. They gave power to the king. They gave power to the warriors. They gave power to whoever, mm-hmm. and they were a representation of the land. Right. Right. So no matter what we're talking about when it comes to these goddesses from from the British Isles and Ireland. That is the thing you have to remember was how vital and important the concept of sovereignty was to those people. Mm-hmm. And the the sidetrack I almost went down, and I will go down now, is to to remember we're talking about the Morgan as an Irish goddess, as if Ireland is one place. Right. Ireland is is not one place, and the concept of a goddess belonging. We think of Ireland as this small country. Well, let me speak for myself. I live in the United States. The United States is massive. Mm -hmm. California, I live in the state of California. The state of California is one of the biggest states in Mm -hmm. this massive country. Mm -hmm. Land mass Mm -hmm. is what I'm referring to, right? Mm -hmm. Ireland, in comparison, is very small. Right. Very small. However, 
We don't have one God of the United States. We don't have one God of California. I mean, if you want to look at the Christian concept, that's a whole other ball of wax. But right. historically, Ireland was broken up into these tiny little villages, these tiny little communities, these tiny little tribes. Mm-hmm. And the Morgan, or these concepts of the Morgan that we've come to know modernly, may have looked very different. Right. So the Morgan is actually super complicated yes. and has a million different names and a million different faces and a million different aspects because we're trying to take all of these different pieces of her, potentially, uh-huh. maybe not even her. Uh-huh. Maybe they just seemed like they went together. So we said, oh, those are, that's the right. Morgan, right? Yeah. But we're trying to take this very complicated network of community and say she's Irish, right? So everything we talk about, we have to remember that. Yep. Yes. And I think if you're going to take that to a bigger global point of reference is that that is true of a lot of the locations because any of the countries or cultures have massive little itty-bitty tribes, villages, and clans that made up their world, their singular world, and then you put it as a collective. I mean, we talk about the United States. We've got 50 states, and of those 50 states, every state has a consciousness. Right. And, and every state has counties. Has counties. And, and every city. county has towns. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if you look at that and try to, you know, again, for those of us in the United States, to understand the concepts of locations that we're talking about in England and Europe and that that's what we're doing. So we generalize, and I understand why, but we also have to realize that some of the information can get mm, kind of fuzzy. Right. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I, I do these these workshops every month on different goddesses and that's the thing and if you listen to any of our podcasts about goddesses in the past I've probably said this mm-hmm. but that's the thing you have to look at the history of these cultures we like to make things oh that's all this thing right but it's so much more complicated than that even looking at Greece you oh. have to look at the smaller pieces mm-hmm. you have to look at the smaller pieces mm-hmm. and that is true with Ireland with the Morgan and all of these names and faces that we're going to talk about for her today, you have to remember we're talking about lots of different people and the way each tribe worked and worshipped and did things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And these specific stories survived. We don't even know how many stories didn't survive. Yes. Right? True. So, now, the fact that we have talked briefly now about the back history of that. Yeah. What is this goddess really about? I don't know. <laughs> something to do with death, underworld, you know, war, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well, one of the things that I found when I was doing my research is obviously the fact that there are always talking about the triad, the yeah. three aspects, the yeah. three aspects, and how they make those three aspects fit together. So... The Morrigan, the Morrigu, the Morrigan, Morgan, the Morgan. Um, they all kind of have either they've talked about specifically as that name or they have different names that they divided in. Right. And here we go with trying to pronounce these wonderful yeah. names. Yeah. So go for the first one, darling. Okay. So what I have learned from a specific set of classes that I've taken 
and some information is the three faces of the Morgan are Bev Casa, which is the battle crow. That's the goddess who goes out over the battlefield and fights the Fight. warrior. Mm-hmm. There's Maka, Maka, right? Mm-hmm. She's more of that uh, earth mother mm-hmm. goddess, the sovereignty energy, um, the the milking yard, the horse mm-hmm. paddock, that mm-hmm. kind of energy. And then there's Nemain. And she's the frenzy, the terror, what we might think of as a banshee. She's that wailing, scary as fuck goddess. <laughs> the one you don't want to see at night. True. <laughs> they call it the nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, uh, But there are others. There are other names and other faces that are also ascribed to the Morgan, mm-hmm. and you have mm-hmm. some of those, right? Well, um, let's see if I can find them in my ever-persistent you know, We have notes. so much notes, by the way, and I just spilled coffee all over mine, so we're having a fun <laughs> right now. We are. So, obviously, Bave is also um, been known to be uh, the what they call the Skald Crow, which was interesting because she just mentioned the crow, and that she is, you know, in Gal, Gal. She's called the Kos Bova, Bova Kostubadwa. Kostubadwa. That's the one I know. For some reason, this one, so, this one version of the Morrigan, Kostubadwa, who. I just I don't know why I I can remember that one. Well, she is the she's kind of the mother side of the dynamic. I don't know how you know you can get. You know what? I just had an epiphany, and I'm going to share this with everybody on the radio right now. Okay. So I my my father's ancestry is Scandinavian. My mother's ancestry is French. There's a lot of Gaulish stuff. In right. But Castubadawa is Gaulish. Gaulish. Holy shit. We just she just got into. Um, a groove. I feel like something has clicked into place in my life just now. Holy crap, that is so intense. And did we not have it on this day with the Morrigan? Here, I'm going to share another bit of personal information. So I, <laughs> I, um, I try to not watch a lot of political news or, mm-hmm. or news in general because I, I feel like I'm, I'm, the older I get, the more sensitive I'm getting. Yes. And any time I see news, especially about women being mistreated, especially uh-huh. about the violence perpetrated against women, it makes me feel enraged. Uh-huh. I can feel it bottle up in uh-huh. me. And randomly, when I have been a gym member in the past, they always have the freaking TVs. Oh, yes. And it's hard to not look. Yes. And they have subtitles, and so I end up reading and getting enraged. And because I'm active... And, you know, exercising, Uh uh I feel that rage in my body even more. And what I have found myself doing Uh is I let it build and build and build, and then I sort of release it physically to Kastubadua to go and seek vengeance on Uh these MFers who are causing this pain and sorrow in women's lives. Uh I Uh call on her as the great vengeful spirit. Interesting. Now, I don't call on Kasbadwa. I call on Morgan as her total capacity. Yeah. But I also tend to use it for the ones who are the innocents. Right. So, um, and I I guess I'm more the, the Artemis side of the world I, in some strange way. Maybe that's somewhere along the background of the 
the Sicilian and the, the Dionic. Sure. But I, whenever I am seeing the horrors that people perpetrate on the animals, mm. I, mm. I, that's what I sent. Yeah, yeah. And it's fascinating because we had discussed this briefly last week when we were prepping for, you know, like saying, okay, now tomorrow, next week we're going to be doing blah. And I realized that is what I have done. And the statue that I had gotten sits on my animal altar specifically right. to do battle for right. those that cannot do battle. Right. Not just to sit and hang out and take the warrior's energy and right. and all that, but to truly do battle. And it was interesting because one of the things I did find out, sidebar, is that when the war would take place, battles would take place, the king would never go out. He would send a, what they call a smither, which was his duplicate, mm. who would do the actual fighting. Mm. So it's it was weird because, uh, you know, we always see the movies and all these things about the king going out and doing battle. Right. He didn't do battle. At least in Ireland they didn't do battle. At least under these circumstances they'd send somebody else to do their battle and they'd hang out at the, the war area that they would do whatever they would do and watch. And I'm right. like, well, that's sort of, you know, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's interesting, though, that looks that, – that it's really a clear – indication of, of this goddess and who she was in ancient times right. and who she's become now. now. I don't know, you know, it, today is June 1st, 2017, and in the last few years, the last three-ish, maybe uh-huh. even four years, I've noticed a resurgence in interest in the Morrigan. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, she's become very popular, and I am not trying to talk shit. I think it's great. Any go- any goddess gets a resurgence, I'm on board. Right. But I found it very interesting that all of a sudden she's very in vogue. Everyone's been touched by the Morgan. Everyone's uh-huh. a dedicate to the Morgan. Uh-huh. And and there's something there. Right. And who she's become in modern paganism is the warrior, uh-huh. the one who kicks ass, uh-huh. the one who fights, the one who uh-huh. stands up to injustice. Right. That may not have been who she was anciently. Anciently she was... Scary. She was the battle crow. She was the one who brought terror. Right. You know, and there is some crossover there, clearly. Right. But it's it's a little bit different of a structure where now she's empowering women. Right. And I think it's also because in ancient times, war was different. Yes. And she would come to those that were doomed. They would see her. Right. See, and that was a different way of dealing with you know, the time I am going to battle and I'm going out and I'm going to do this right. thing. You didn't for, want to see her. You didn't want to see that her. That was bad news bears. Yeah, yes. definitely. In whatever <laughs> form she came, you know, you didn't want to see her. No. And the the, the ravens, the crows that would, was the carrier um, that would uh, take the dead bodies or the dying bodies and, uh, you know, eat them. Yeah. Take them from the physical plane, and then, of course, as was taken to the spiritual plane, to the land of the dead, and blah, 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 and the cauldron of rebirth, and all that stuff. She became very visceral, Mm -hmm. and since we have lost that touch, because as we will probably say later on about how war has changed, warfare has changed, it has become less, it has become more distant. Well, let's just say that now. Okay, we'll say that now. (laughs) But it's become more distant. Yeah. It has. And we we push buttons and we kill people and, you know, we drop bombs and we don't see their faces. It's all electronic, like a video game. Yes. Yeah. And, you know.
you know, you were talking about the, and I'll let you say the, the things, you were talking about literally seeing the people. Yeah, yeah if you think about how these, the, the folks who the Morgan was born to, the folks who initially worshipped this goddess, when they went to war, there were no guns, there were no tanks, there were no computers, there were swords and maybe bows and arrows. I'm not actually uh-huh. sure if the Irish used them or not. But they were face-to-face. They were they were seeing uh-huh. the life force exit the person in uh-huh. front of them as they uh-huh. plummeted them to death or pummeled them to death, whatever. Right. They smelled the blood and the other things that happen to your body when you die. Yes. The battlefield would have been covered in gore. Yes. People would have been moaning and crying out in pain uh-huh. from the wounds that they had received that didn't kill them. Right. Right. This would have been harsh and scary and uh-huh. ugly, and the ro- crows and the ravens would come before the battle even started Right. because they had been trained by watching humans to know, oh, it's dinner time. Right? <laughs> Truly. So the war was so vastly different than what it looks like now. It's still a terrifying thing, absolutely, but the warriors uh-huh. were face-to-face watching this happen. It right. was a much more hands-on, messy uh-huh. 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 Yeah. And I, I, And there was more, when I say honor, there was more honor. There was more way of observing what the war, the, the combat, the conflict, whatever we have learned to call it, but what was then this battle. Right. And now we were, we were actually talking that probably the last real hand-to-hand combat consciousness was World War One. Right. Because, and even then, they had started to move things to more, you know, with, you know, when you got guns and you got cannons, yeah. you could do more long distance. You right. might not necessarily have the long, long distance, but it would it would it would change it and you read about even on our soil the civil war and the people you know the descriptions of the battlefield right and this is not to downplay what our soldiers and those who fight go through now because it is still traumatic mm-hmm. and terrifying and dangerous mm-hmm. absolutely um, but it is also vastly different mm-hmm. than what it would have been for the people who the Morgan was part of their their daily life, right? right? And remembering that we have this separation with the gods. We forget that they're here and they're the land and we're always connected uh-huh. to them. And uh-huh. it's, uh, um, the Western world, at least, I think it's right. different in the Eastern world. But um, they would have been connected to this energy. They would be more intensely aware of the signs and symbols of the world around them right. when the Morgan was showing her face. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was our little um, sidebar on war. Yay! Yay! <laughs> okay, so under her basic triad, we have, you know, different aspects. So, um, Bave is, uh, which I found interesting, was the washer of the Ford. Hmm. And she would be considered this little old lady. I mean, they had different versions, but the way I was a small lady at the at the river washing the bloody clothes of the dead. Right. And um, she definitely was not someone I would have wanted to meet. Right. 
<laughs> right. If you came upon the washer at the ford, it was a it was a signal that you would not survive the battle. Exactly. Yeah. She was washing your bloody clothes. Your bloody in clothes. the river. Yep. Yeah. So that, of course, you know, brings a lot of different aspects to the the actual process of what she was representing, mm-hmm. and you know, the cauldron being another part. The other part of Bave that I've read about. Uh, is she is connected, the energy of her is sometimes thought of as similar to the energy of the Valkyries in right. mythology, which is a right. concept I think most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Valkyries sweep in and take the souls of the slain warriors. Right. They have work to do, right? And the, the energy of Bev Bav is very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she watches over the battle. She becomes the battle crow. She's the scavenger. Right. But not just literally the scavenger of the dead bodies, dead but bodies of the warriors. Of the warriors, the yeah. energies, yeah. Who the, the souls. Right, right. So, um, and she, you know, I mean, if you think of, if you are looking at what you need to ask for. Yeah. And you need to find energy or strength. Mm-hmm. She would be one to be there to take away that which is, you know, part of your life that you need to send to the other world. Mm-hmm. You know, the warrior aspect of going to the other world and the good fight. Right. Uh, like when we get ready to go do, you know, anything that we need to do, we gird our loins, so to speak, <laughs> which is the old way of saying you put your battle armor on. She's the one. Right. So... And, you know, they've they've talked about the actual energies. Uh, all three of these, bird form. Right. Whatever you want to call raven crow, bird form, because that's the carrier aspect. Right. And we're saying, you know, this threefold goddess, these three faces of the goddess. And, mm-hmm. and again, we've named three of the names, but sometimes they're called different names or have different energetics. Mm-hmm. But this is not... The maiden mother crone. No. This is not that concept. And if you look at Irish myth and Welsh myth specifically, there are things that always come in threes. There are yeah. three blessings, the three curses, the three illuminations. It's always three. Right. And so here we see an, another of that triplicate, the three faces of the Morrigan. This right. Is, this is not maiden mother crone. So set that concept aside. Take that put it away. Yeah. Because this has this is more like the three fates. Sure. Or the Nords. Sure. Yeah. Because it's 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 not I mean, it's not whether they're all old or they're whether they're young or whatever they are. It's just these three aspects right. of what war and warriorism and, you know, the fact that you you, you battle for something yeah. that is important to you. Yeah. The three sisters, the three and the three faces of one entity. Yeah. Right? So it's a concept that may not at least in my brain, it doesn't necessarily easily make sense, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to. Well, I think we're so, we, modern day, yeah. are so accustomed to trying to find places for things. Yeah, exactly. And this is more fluid, and, and, and it moves. It's not something that we can just, that's why even talking about it, like, okay, this is babe, this is matcha, this is Niman, right. or Nimane. Right. Uh, that's part of it, but they all have different pieces, and they flow back and forth. Right. And, 
And matcha, I mean, which is the another version, right? Another part. Uh, maha. Maha. Right. She's the she's the one that at least I feel is the most connected to the land. She is the goddess of land. She is that ultimate sovereignty mm-hmm. symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, the nightmare, like mm-hmm. Elvira said before, is Maka. It's, it's her energy because she's connected to the horse. Right. The mayor. Right. The night mayor. Get it? M-A-R-C, <laughs> of course. Right? She's connected to childbirth, to wealth, to uh, all sorts of things that you might not think of in connection to the Morrigan when you first mm-hmm. imagine the warrior goddess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but she also has a deep connection to war. They would cut off heads of the slain warriors and put them on pikes and call them the mast of Maka, the harvest of Maka. Right. She's a harvest goddess, mm-hmm. but she's not harvesting grain. No. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. You know, I was thinking, because they talk about the hooded, you know, in Babe, it's about she goes as a hooded crow. Yeah. And then you see the different aspects and how they, they try to vision it. But, you know... Death as we see it now as a as a male version of a skeleton with a crow, they kind of make it more male. They don't give you it as a female. Mm. They don't even try to. Um, came from this. Right. This was the original right. back then. Yeah. Because one of the things we do as women is not only do we birth into this world, we also are the ones that work with caring the the caring for the dead. Right. Caring for the transition. Yeah. And uh, that was really profound. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, Maka being so close to that, of course, you know, there's the story of one version of Maka and doing it as she was the goddess, but she was incarnate in a body and she was married to a king Mm. in one of the, in Ulster area. And she was, you know, he was so taken that she was so fast and she was so this, but she was pregnant with twins. How are they right. she had twins? I'll always, not know. Yeah, always twins. Always twins. And he, there was a race, a horse race, and so he basically said she could outrace the horses because she was so fast. And so she was kind of put in a position where this is what you're doing. Um, so she did, and she won, but unfortunately at the end she basically had her babies and died, but in her dying breath, she cursed the men of Ulster for nine generations, kind of thought that was interesting, um, that they would have, before battle, they would feel the pains of childbirth for five days and four nights. Right. And I thought, well, okay, I'm kind of interested in that point of reference. If you're going to really do something, you know, the, the, there's a big thing about, you know, if men really knew how much pain it was to have a child, they would, you know, be more, you know, right. they'd have more consciousness. Right. Um, I'm beginning to wonder if that might not be a, a good kind of, if you're going to curse somebody or, or say that, it might be something interesting to think about. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going for vengeance, like, you do not do this to this child, you do not do this to this woman, you do not do, or you will have. Right. I think that would be interesting. Right. Yeah, not a bad idea. Well, you know, I usually try to leave it up to the goddess. That was fascinating. So, um, but that is, again, one aspect of her the stories of that, right? And the stories that add another story about matcha is that 
Uh, Samhain, this is when it takes place. Dogda, who is the sky god of the Celt people, would come looking and going hither and yon, and he was looking for things, and he finds Maka at a river, and of course, because she's so big, she straddles one foot on either side, and he gets all excited because she's a giantess when she's in physical form. And they make love, and this is something they do every year. And, um, of course, specifically, they were talking about a river, but it is that dynamic of the sky and the earth, right. Maka being the sovereignty of earth. Yep. So, yet another story. Yes, there's a lot. There's lots, lots of, stories. of stories, and that's one of the nice things about studying Irish tales is that there is a lot of uh-huh. stories that remained, unlike many of the other cultures uh-huh. were, um, you know, transitioned into Christian uh-huh. society. Is that we lost a lot of their stories, but right. not the Irish have a lot. Right. Well, let's take a break. Yes. Then we'll talk about the scary one, the yes. scary face. All right. We'll be back. To the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige Sapiru, Wednesdays, 3 to 4.30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Yay. Yay. And now we dive into the terrifying face of the Morgan known as Nimane. Niman. Nimane. <laughs> and this was the one I I tried to find the pronunciation or I, I need to hear it. I can't just read it even mm-hmm. if it's written uh you know, phonetically. Right. I hear it. And I just couldn't find a reliable source on how to pronounce this one, so I feel bad, but, you know, I, I did try. She did try. I was listening to some of them on the other. Terrible. Yes. But this is the face of, of the goddess. This is the face of the Morgan that is, um, it is believed her name is connected to wrath or frenzy, and, and, and there is something about that battle frenzy that people get into when they go into the war. Uh, they get lost in the, the the blood. The battle blood covers their eyes, and then they are in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. There are lots of different cultures talk about this. Um, but that is, we don't really know the source or the origin of this goddess. Sometimes there's one belief that she's the 
goes far back as being a sky goddess, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. I'm not sure how you go from sky goddess to frenzy, but whatever. <laughs> um, it, Nemain is often identified in literature as being the wife of a war god. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is something there that the two of them, she, he is the war god and she is the war frenzy. Right. They, they work as a team. Right. But there is... Uh, the main energetic of her is the the battle screech, the, mm-hmm. the wail, the moan, the scream that would be heard before battle started. And it was terrifying enough that men would run away from the battlefield in terror mm-hmm. because it was so, mm-hmm. or they would die on the spot from hearing that scream. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, think of it. We usually wind up, and I'm going to diverge to modern-day culture, is yeah. that you see in different shows and movies, TV, or otherwise, that there will always be this moment where, and it's usually the guys because usually they're the ones that are doing the battling right. in terms of that, and you'd see them, and they'll just make this humongous scream and then jump into the fray or right. or ang- go for there. And, and it's not just... It's pumping up your blood, literally yeah. pumping yourself up yeah. to go, just like they do in the football and all of the, the different sports where they're, you know, like these team activities where you pump yourself up to go out and pummel whatever you're going to pummel. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that is a, an understandable point of reference. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, in terms of that, obviously she's not someone you take lightly, not that any of these three you take lightly, but. She yep. she is her name can mean venomous, so you figured that's definitely got to give you a clue about the kind of type of energy she has. Yep. And her the the name the Morrigan, right? We, it's not Morrigan. Mm-hmm. It's the Morrigan, mm-hmm. it, which kind of gives it a, a more of a title than in right. And that translates probably as either Phantom Queen or Great Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what uh, I have to name this, she is not Morgan Le Fay. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I, I, I find it frustrating because I am, I work very closely with Morgan Le Fay. Uh-huh. I do not have a working relationship with the Morgan, although I have a great love and respect for that goddess. Uh-huh. We, we don't work together. And uh, the Morgan Le Fay is from a different part of the world, close together, yeah. but different. The the etymology of their names is different. Uh-huh. They have very different energies, and conflating them is doing neither of them justice. They right. are very, very different energies. So just be clear in that. Although the Morgan has lots of names, um, Morgan Le Fay is not one of them. <laughs> and it's interesting because she says that, and I had a little sidebar in one of my note areas about the fact that one of the sources was trying to put it mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, my head keeps kind of going to side to side where I'm not sure, you know, that just didn't seem right. So I left it off there, and it's funny that you picked that up and immediately said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there, there is conflicting information, especially online, about the Morgan and mm-hmm. uh, a lot about the Morgan. And, I, again, I think that's because she has had a resurgence of interest in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are excellent sources that provide real information. Right. Um, there's a group, what the heck is their name? Koru, is it Koru Kastabadwa? That might be it, but they are a, 
a group of, of folks who work specifically in devotion mm-hmm. to the Morgan. Mm-hmm. There is a woman named Laura O'Brien who is Irish. She does a lot of teaching about Irish spirituality and the Morgan specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are two sources that I have personally had interaction with mm-hmm. that I think are really excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you do feel a tap from the Morgan or you do feel called to learn more or do more, make sure you're seeking out good sources that are right just not any old source yeah. out there in the middle of whatever yeah you know and clearly again this goes back to any conversation we're going to have about wicca witchcraft paganism no there is not a clear unbroken lineage of all of this but there are people who are connected to that land mm-hmm. and understand mm-hmm. the cultural implications of this goddess that it is in their blood, and whether it's in your blood or not, that doesn't mean you can't worship her, but you want to make sure, just like uh, sometimes uh, goddesses practices that are related to more Western European things, we don't worry about cultural appropriation as much because it's it's uh, Western European. And <laughs> just sort of lumps into that yeah. whole thing. However, you no matter what goddess you're working with, whether she is African, Asian, Indian, Hindu, Western, Eastern European, Mesoamerican, no matter what Uh the goddess is, you need to know her ancestry and understand the landscape that she comes from. So make sure your sources with the Morgan are connected to that ancestry. And because it's it's like anything else, it's respectful. Now, it's not just respectful to the peoples. It's respectful to the deity. Yeah. Because, you know, this deity, be male, female, or or gender neutral, um, they come from an environment that they were very deeply connected with the peoples of that time, of that place. And so to arbitrarily just supplant it is the same kind of disrespect as we have done with other things in unfortunate places and times. And I want to mention, just because it popped out in my notes here, we talk about the triple face, the the three faces of the Morgan. I want to just remind folks that in the Celtic system, they didn't work with the four elements. Right. And this is true of the Irish system as well. They worked with the land, the sea, and the sky. Uh-huh. So you, it is not unusual. Again, we mentioned there's these threefold uh-huh. things everywhere uh-huh. in Irish mythology and Irish stories and Irish histories. Uh-huh. And land, sea, and sky is one of those. So many times you can see the overlay in these um, triplicate things that yes. fit into land, sea, and, and sky. sky. Exactly. I don't know that that's necessarily true of the Morgan. But it's something to remember, that, right. that triplicate nature. It's interesting you say that. I'm sitting here, and you were just having your epiphany of your your ancestry, and I'm thinking, well, mine is Scotch, obviously, with some Irish and English and yep. French thrown in there at some point. And that, of course, if you're looking at the, uh, the triplicity being of the land, sea, and um, sky. Yes. But then I've got the Sicilian, and it's very definitely Sicilian, <laughs> just don't tell you you're Italian, you're Sicilian. Right. And that had the four. Yeah. So it was, it, and if I'm going into mathematics, which diversion here even more, three and four are seven. So obviously there's some balance in there that might be the case. But it's it's interesting because I'm sitting there going, because I'm always on the fence hmm. between the four, which has been what I've done and right. learned. Right. And then the three, which 
actually speaks very clearly to me and has been doing so more as we've done this radio show. Yeah. So that's, you know, we get our own things here. We don't just teach, we learn. Yeah. Especially about ourselves. Well, I don't think that we can do her justice without mentioning Kukalin. Oh, yes. Kukulain. 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 Yeah, I've, I've, this is oui. really the one where I am like, what? How, what? When I looked this, when I looked his name up online, the way it was pronounced was Kukalin. So that's how I'm going to say it. Okay, Kukalin. Yeah. Well, that sounds more Irish. It has more of a lilt, actually. The Kukalin and the Morgan have a very complicated relationship. <laughs> and if you if you are unfamiliar with Irish story, Kukalin is like. The Arthur of Ireland, yes, King Arthur of Ireland, right? He is the great warrior. He is a good man. Mm-hmm. He is uh, he is the one who goes into the battle and bow- brings people together. And you know, he is he is the hero. He is the hero, and he was yes. trained. Scatha, scar, scar, oh, Scatha. That will get me. In- Before we leave, I need to talk about women warriors so that she is she is the one who taught it right yeah. and she trained all of the good warriors uh-huh. of that time uh-huh. right she was um yeah so and his name is the hound uh-huh. right and he has uh-huh. a connection to um yeah he's just he's a general good guy yes he is but him and the morgan <laughs> have a very complicated relationship and many things happen where uh there's disrespect where he doesn't understand what's happening uh-huh. and pisses her off and he gets in trouble or where they run into each other in odd circumstances and something goes sideways and there's misunderstanding. Uh-huh. There's just all kinds of stories. There's many, many stories about the two of them getting into these weird situations with each other where they are enemies. Right. So anytime you call on the Morgan or want to work with the Morgan, you might consider learning about Kukalin and and seeing how his energy might fit, fit into your uh-huh. life as well, uh-huh. because they they come together in the stories a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's you know they're the polarities. Right. Which is interesting and um and again we're gonna I'm, I apologize for butchering. Scatha was the most famous woman warrior. Yeah. And she basically epitomized the fact that women in Ireland, they were warriors. They yes. could be warriors. They yes. could choose to be. Sometimes they had no choice because they didn't have any funds or, or anything, they, so that they chose that as a, a way to go. Sometimes it was just by virtue. And um, one of the things I did find out that it was up until the 6th century, it was a legal requirement for landed women to serve. Mm. And after that, the necessity was, you know, basically it was um, it was changed by St. Adamon, and he basically changed the rules on that one. But um, the position most of the time, though, for the women after that, were she, they were teachers. But then they were teachers because they were really good at what they were doing. Right. So um, it was fascinating because if you think of the Israelis, it is mandatory for yeah. all to serve. Right. And in the United States, we have this really archaic process that they're starting to, and I say now because it's been happening more and more, and again after about World War II, where women served, but they right. never served in combat right. until recently. Right. Which means that, you know, we're still walking and talking the thought that women are these small, diminutive, 
you know, like we don't want them to be there fluffy. Right. And, you know. They have to be protected. They have to be protected. And we are probably, if you talk about battle frenzy, try seeing a mother and her child being harmed. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. The quote that I wanted to make sure we didn't leave out. Uh-huh. Um, no, I've lost it. Oh, there it is. Uh, so at one point when the Morgan and Kukalin come together uh, before he goes into battle, she says to him, I am guarding your death. Or in another version, it is at the guarding of thy death that I am and I shall be. Uh-huh. So, again, this shows her as that death goddess. She foretells the future. She knows what is coming. Uh-huh. And she she is an interesting thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I need to think about this some more. But does she know what's going to happen because she sees? Is she going to influence what happens? Can she change the outcome of the battle? How much power does she have over the battle, right? Well, in one aspect, prophecy was part of right. what um, Maka was. Right. So here we see, is she is she just giving you your fortune? Mm-hmm. Or is she saying, I have control over this battle, and since you're being a dick to me, you're screwed, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it, well, it could be either, you know, again, what can be seen here is... Uh, the combination of all the different aspects from different tribes and different groups. Right. She may have been a prophet yeah. in one, yeah. prophetic, able to see, yep. and in others not. Right. Right. And who knows as well, if you go back far enough, it is possible that all of these gods started out as regular old people. Right. So maybe Macha was a prophetess once upon a time yes and was so remembered and so revered and so beloved that she was exalted into the the morgan who knows right who knows we don't but it is it is she is a powerful energy a powerful uh dynamic to utilize and i before we leave i want to say the one thing that phoenix has said is that at milk and honey the little carved fetishes that she sells for the different animals. The raven has been something she's been selling a lot of. It's become very popular recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think over and above what raven is for all other um, indigenous cultures, this particular energy seems to have become yeah. important. Well, and I think, I think in in general terms, mm-hmm. when the when the political climate, when the overculture, when the, the world at large is, it feels unsettled and uncertain uh-huh. and unsafe, uh-huh. especially, I mean, folks who are listening to this show right now are probably not necessarily 100% mainstream people. Right. You know, if you are regularly listening to a podcast about paganism, magic, witchcraft, casting spells, right, you're probably not that typical average American person, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. You're, there, there is a little bit of the fringe in you. Right. Right. And some of us revel in that. Of I love being at the fringe. <laughs> and some of us keep that quiet. We live in the broom closet. And all of those things are fine. Uh-huh. But when, when those of us in the fringe start to feel like it's not safe, it's not secure, the world is becoming more dangerous. Mm-hmm. We look to these goddesses, to these powers, to the right. symbols of of empowerment mm-hmm. to help us find the strength to mm-hmm. go forward, to right. find the strength to fight back. Right. 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 Yeah. 
So, with that in boisterous statement, I think we are actually at our time. We're pretty darn close. Okay. So, um, I do not have my calendar, so I do not yeah. know. What are we doing next week? Yes. So, next week on Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time. Live. That's right. <laughs> we will be doing the next series of our talking about different witchcraft traditions. Uh-huh. And we will be talking about the fairy tradition. Uh-huh. That's F-E-R-I, fairy. Uh-huh. Specifically, the Victor and Cora Anderson uh-huh. fairy tradition, uh-huh. which is a fascinating tale of intrigue and drama. Oh, boy. There are lots of different sects and uh, separations within the fairy tradition. Right. And many splits. Uh-huh. And all kinds of interesting things in within that system. And the other interesting part, like our last tradition was uh-huh. Gardnerian Wicca. Uh-huh. In the fairy tradition, there are some branches of fairy that believe it, you don't get to talk about it unless you've been initiated. Right. So it'll be interesting. We will have a very interesting and fun time. Yes. 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 And I have many friends who are members of the fairy tradition, mm-hmm. and I can be a little tongue-in-cheek when I talk about fairy, but I mean it all with love and honor and respect. It is a very powerful process and spiritual mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. It's just not mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, yes, we will see you all again. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hurry into Old Navy tomorrow and Sunday to get jeans for the whole family on sale. Just $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Plus, starting tomorrow, redeem your super cash to save even more at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Super cash valid 6-3 to 6-11. Jeans valid 6-3 to 6-4. Select styles only.